Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the latest edition of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David, and this time I'm here live and in person with my friend Chris. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Yeah, we're back together again. How you been? I, I am well. I'm well. Really looking forward to this episode. Before we get started, I want to let everybody know that we're on Twitter at Digital Killed. We're on iTunes. We're on Instagram at Digital Killed the Radio Star. If you get a chance, please go rate us and review us on iTunes. That'll help greatly with our exposure of our podcast. And we really want to thank everybody for the positive comments and feedback we got on last week's episode about 90s albums. Um, it's always a good time for people our age, I think, to talk about uh, the 90s, their, the decade that they grew up, came of age, and people really enjoyed it. And I want to thank Andy Mead, uh, actually congratulate Andy Mead on winning the first uh, Facebook contest that we have. Andy, your iTunes gift card will be in the mail to you shortly. Uh, Chris, before we get going with the main topic of the podcast, any new music you've been listening to that you would like to tell everybody about? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad you brought this up. Um, I think this goes back to our, when we our first podcast we did. We brought up a couple albums that were coming out and yet to be released. And this was one that I mentioned what I was looking forward to. It's now out. I've been able to live with it a few weeks, and I love it. What I'm talking about is a, it's a guy named... It's a guy named Dave Hawes. If, if you look at his name, it, it, you're going to want to say Howes or something like that, but it's it's H-A-U-S-E. Just think, rhymes is with cause. Anyway, Dave Hawes is from a uh, he's from a, a punk band. And when I say punk, I mean they're you know Gaslight Anthem punk. And he's a, he's now doing a, he's a, they were, it was a punk band called The Loved Ones. He's now a solo artist. This is his third album. The the, the prior one, the sophomore was just incredible called devour well this new one bury me in philly man I, what can i say he picked up where he left off i think he's just he's one of these underrated guys and and i bring this up because he's it's he's it's not like i'm bringing something that's going to be most people aren't going to be able to listen to he's very accessible i think you should give him a shot you know he's uh he's an excellent songwriter lyricist i just think he's he's one of the more underrated artists out there one of the best you probably don't know of this new album start with the, the First Cut, With You, uh, The Flinch, Bury Me in Philly. It's just a great album. Um, Shaky Jesus, another great track. But anyway, give him a shot. Yeah, and don't let the fact that he's in a punk band scare you off because this this music is, it's not, uh, you're not listening to the Sex Pistols or anything like that. No, and you know, even if you were listening to the loved ones, that's why I said it's more Gaslight. Well, this is, you know... Yeah, the Loved Ones was not really a true, true punk band, but this certainly isn't. This is more of kind of your singer-songwriter. It's just more just rock, more straight-ahead rock. It's got, I mean, I guess a little bit more punk flavor in there, but certainly not a punk record. No, not, definitely not hardcore punk. Well, if you uh, if you like that review, go, uh, go buy it uh, on iTunes or uh, Amazon. Well, Chris, today we're going to talk about, uh, for me, two of my favorite albums of all time, Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2. When we were growing up, I, you'd be hard-pressed to think of two albums that had more hype and uh, publicity before they came out than these two albums in 1991. Uh, and we're both fans of Appetite for Destruction, and you have to think about Appetite came out in 87, and and this is 90, late 91 when these albums come out. And all you had really knew about Guns N' Roses was Appetite, and then you had the Lies um, EP, which um, had a couple of good songs on it, but for the most part was, in my opinion, just some throwaway material to tide people over to the new album came out. 
Well, the acoustic side, the I guess you'd say the side two, the acoustic ones, the originals, those were, I think, and you can make an argument, some of their better songs. But I agree with those those live ones they started it with. Right. Um, and so this album, you know, back back in the day, you if you read like Hit Parader, Metal Edge, Rolling Stone, if you remember, Axl Rose was always in the news, um, usually not for positive reasons. Seems to have always had a problem with the media. And so he made for good fodder for all of the magazines, but... You just heard for, I would say, would you say a better part of two years about these albums before they came out? Yeah, and you know, this is one thing to point out too. This, is, this was pre, this was pre-internet, and it was still that's all you heard. You know, everything from magazines to MTV news. Um, I just remember they the the release dates just kept getting pushed back, pushed back, push pushed back. You know, little did we know that that was a very quick release compared to what you know Chinese democracy was going to become. But you know, I guess it's the Axel way. Right, and you know, a lot of the cracks in the armor, so to speak, started to show themselves during these um, recording sessions. So, Chris, before we get into anything specific, just kind of your overall uh, opinion of both albums. You know, when I, if in full disclosure, just being honest, when I, when I was a kid, I was, I think seventh grade when these came out, and I was. You know, Guns N' Roses, they do fit in the vein of, and I know we, we've kind of spoke to this before, they don't want to admit it, especially guys like Slash and Duff, they don't want to admit that they, that, you know, their fans also listened to Poison and Warrant, Skid Row, all those bands, but they did. I say that because I was kind of more in that camp at that time. And I liked Guns N' Roses, but I wasn't just a huge fan, but that, it came later. Um, I'm not talking happened two years ago, but it came a little bit later for me. That being said, when I kind of reflect on them, I think about these albums now, I think that the, um, I think Use Your Illusion 2 is great. You know, pretty much beginning to end. A couple of tracks are a little bit weak. Use Your Illusion 1, I, I think, I just got to be honest, I think it has a lot of filler. And that's kind of where we're going with this. I'm kind of, this podcast where this idea kind of originated is, let's discuss these albums Let's see, should this have been a single disc release? You know, you're the one you know, that always says most double albums should be a single. Right. This isn't really a double album because they were released on this, two different albums on the same day. But, okay, so it wasn't really, but it is. It's a double album. And so we just kind of thought, started toying around with the idea of, well, is, would it have been better as one album? And if, if so, what would... What would you put on it? What do you think would have been the ideal album? So we thought it'd be an interesting podcast. So I'm going to let you go. Well, yeah. And like I was telling you before we started the podcast, I, these two albums just bring up so many good memories of my childhood. Um, like you said, it's two separate albums released on the same day. And I think I was 15 when they came out. It just turned 15. And uh, I didn't have enough money to buy both of them. So I bought Use Your Illusion 2, and a buddy of mine bought Use Your Illusion 1, and we did what everybody did back in the day. We swapped CDs at school, and I recorded Use Your Illusion 1, and he did the same thing with Use Your Illusion 2. Um, so it's a lot, a lot of good memories about these albums. I, I, I personally, I like both of them a lot. Um, I do believe, like you said, there's some filler on there, but if you were going to put out a quote-unquote double album, this one had a lot more good songs than it did filler, which is which is what you cannot say about a lot of double albums. 
No, I think I think that's true. And you know, one thing we were you know we were texting, we we're texting you know earlier in the week, and I brought up you know it wasn't as easy as I thought. It was, you know, you 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 got to to do a double album like this where we figure you you've got to be, or to do a, make it to a single album, you've got to go eight less than eighty or eighty minutes or less. And so I started finding that kind of difficult because even at 80 minutes, I wanted to add more. So that kind of shows you, to your point, they were pretty solid records through and through. Again, I do think one had some filler, but all in all, I mean, when you've got this many songs on it, what, 30 tracks, and, you know, probably at least 20, 25, about 25 of them are really good. Okay, you, you pulled it off. Right. If you're batting 750, you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So... Uh, before we get before we break down each album into what um, into our favorite tracks, uh, a little bit of history. Both albums were released in September of 1991. They debuted at number one and number two on the Billboard charts. Which was number one? Use Illusion Two, uh, and that was mainly due to the fact that uh, You Could Be Mine was the lead single, which was uh, on the Terminator. Terminator Two soundtrack. And also, uh, we'll get to Civil War in a minute, but Civil War was somewhat of a known song um, when that came out. So, uh, two sold 770000 in the first week, and one sold 685000 And I think at the time, that was the beginning of the SoundScan sound scan era, and those were the top two first week um, sales. And I believe it was NSYNC that broke it uh, five or six years ago. Uh, anyway, one of the, one of the reasons, like we said, that Usual Illusion Two was sold more copies was "You Could Be Mine," which was on the Terminator Two sound was on featuring the Terminator Two movie. Yes, and the video featured, uh, I think, had Schwarzenegger in it. It actually. did, it did. And so, um, you know, that was kind of what led up to that album getting a little bit more of a bump in sales. The albums were actually recorded over a nineteenth month, nineteen months uh, stretch from January of ninety to August of ninety one. And one of the problems that they had, I've read, I've read Duff's book, and I've read another book about Guns N' Roses. And at this point, you know, Axel wasn't in the studio with them a lot. It was, you know, kind of the, the guys would come in and put tracks down, and Axel would come in, and they actually recorded it over in six different studios. And um, by this time, drugs, alcohol, and mental illness were really starting to take their effect on the band. And um, Usual Illusion One. A lot of the songs on it were actually written pre-Appetite or during the Appetite um, sessions. And a two feature songs mainly written after the Appetite sec- sec- uh, sessions. But uh, one of the problems they had was they had the album in the can and uh, the engineer and producer had mixed 21 songs and they came in and scrapped it and had to start over uh, mixing. And so um, you also had Izzy Stradlin at this time becoming sober and was by far the most sober person in the band. I, I would think Axel, I don't think, ever really had a very bad, a bad drug problem, but his mental issues mixed with some occasional drug use made him very erratic. Um, Not to mention he suffered from, L- he suffered from LSD, lead right. singer's disease. Right, probably the worst case we know yeah. of, um, other than Morrissey maybe. Uh, anyway... Um, so they, they start recording these sessions and Steven Adler's a train wreck and, um, he actually, the drummer, he actually is only on one song and that is Civil War and he was sent packing after that. So that's pretty bad when 1990 you get kicked out of Guns N' Roses for your drug and alcohol problem. Yeah. 
It is. I mean, it's, I mean, it really does. I mean, all, all sparing the jokes, it really does show you have a major, major problem if you're getting kicked out of a band that's doing that many drugs. Because Duff and Slash read their books. They were full-blown junkies. Right. And they're kicking out somebody because of their substance abuse. Right. And at this time, Izzy Stradlin had a uh, unfortunate run-in with the law on an airplane um, that led to him becoming completely clean and sober. And so... Um, if if you read the if you read Duff's book, you know there's some tension there because Izzy Izzy at this point is wanting to be all business, and uh, the rest of the band is not. Um, you know they're all over the place. Um, like I said, so they they have to find a new drummer. They find Matt Sorum, most famously known for playing in the Cult for a while, and he came in and apparently did not exactly fit in uh, immediately. Uh, I have a quote here from Izzy Stradlin. He says, um, Adler's sense of swing was the push and pull that give the songs their feel. When that was gone, it was just unbelievable, weird. Nothing worked. I would have preferred to continue with Steve, but we had two years off and we couldn't wait any longer. Yeah, and I mean, I think anybody would tell you Sorum's a better drummer. You know, but, but it was all about feel. Right. You know, I mean, because he, he's, he is. I mean, Sorum's, Sorum's a better drummer. And I do remember off the subject, I remember read, or seeing an interview about Sorum. And he's talking about when he joined the band, you know, he, he joined knowing Appetite for Destruction. And he comes in and they're doing these, you know, eight, nine minute epics. And he's like, guys, what the hell is this? You right. Know? Right. It's just rock. Right. And, you know, evidently he had some problems with that. And there's actually a couple of tracks that I know we're going to get to. Uh, I will bring up some issues that the band had with his playing. But uh, that's kind of it, Chris. Um, album comes out. And it's a huge, huge success. And. You know, people today, you'll hear people say it's a bloated album. It's, you know, it's very narcissistic. And some of those claims definitely are, you know, are valid. But for the most part, I think it's two very, very good albums. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to um, each come up with our own um, album made up from these two albums. And uh, we went kind of old school on this. We're going to have a side A and a side B. And um, we used, I think we both used iTunes to uh, get a uh, for sure running time. So we believe 80 minutes is what a CD can hold. And so uh, 80 minutes was our cutoff. And so we both had to make, uh, make that work. So Chris, I'm going to let you start it off with what you think would be the best Use Your Illusion album. That's what we're going to call it, Use Your Illusion. Yeah, this was, like I said, this was tough. You know, it's tough enough just coming up with, you know, to come up with all the tracks that would fit inside of 80 minutes. Then, when you're trying to split it side A, side B, the exact order you want doesn't quite work. Then you may have to leave one, you may have to exchange a song for another one because of it. So, that made it kind of difficult. You know, one thing I had that I think is going to be probably a little bit different than you is I thought, okay, even if I'm not a huge fan of the song, if it had commercial success, it's going on my album. Perfect example, not to skip. This is going to be on mine, but I'm going to use this one because it's the best example. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Live and Let Die. That song was a monster hit. It was on MTV all the time it's still played live it's still a fan favorite it's a smash and so i kind of look at it this way the band clearly proved they knew what they were doing by recording it the label clearly proved they knew what they were doing by releasing it as a single so i'm not gonna 
I'm going to say for that reason alone, it should be on there. That being said, so my Use Your Illusion album, again, we're doing two, we're doing two sides. I start with side A. I'm going to keep it the same opener as Use Your Illusion 2. I'm going with Civil War. And I love that as an opener just because I wanted that as my opener because I know how much I've always loved that as an opener for Use Your Illusion 2. I love the... Um, Geez, I'm, I'm struggling. It's, it's the Paul Newman movie where that comes from. The um, it's the prison movie Paul Newman. I can't. You know what I'm talking about? That's cool what that hand quote comes. Yeah, Cool Hand Luke. You know that what we've got is failure to communicate. I love that. And then that guitar coming in. I think that is just a great, great opener. And typically, I like when albums start with a just you know smash you in the face rock tune. But this one, it worked. You know, because the the first album had a little bit of that, you know, with, you know, right next door to hell. That was a little more of a rocker, but not going with Civil War. Great, great opener. So stepping up from there, I wanted to, you know, bump the tempo up a bit and I go with You Could Be Mine. Just a great, great rock song. You know, this is one that I still, talking about how great it is a rock song, just intense. This is one I still have on, on my gym mix when I go into the gym. I just, I love this one. It. Was, I, I do think about being as a kid, the nostalgia and the, the Terminator movie. Makes me want to drive fast if I'm listening to it. It's a great, great song. And I still remember that, that video, you know, Slash play in the, uh, oh, I can't even remember, that BC Rich guitar. It was such a cool metal looking guitar. Because I think the only other person I think I'd seen play one like that, I think Kerry King of Slayer well, played and, one. And one of the few times he's not playing um, a Les Paul. You're right. You're right. So after that, you know, I, these albums have a lot of slow songs or slowish. They kind of speed up, has ballads. So I had to try to mix them up. You know, when you're putting out an album, I think you kind of got to, you got to mix them in. So I'll go with slowing it down after you could be mine. I went with don't cry. Obviously the original version, the version that's off Use Your Illusion 1. Great ballad. Uh, I believe this was when you're talking about the songs that were in the, um, Appetite Air before this was one, correct? They actually, if you watch the uh, Use Your Illusion tour live from Tokyo DVDs, they actually say this is the first song we ever wrote together as a band. Okay, I thought it was. I thought it was pre Appetite. Um, now, real quick, which version? That's what I said. The original off okay. of off of one. You know, and now I do remember. As I was asking you this, was this one before Appetite? I do remember now. I remember reading that. They want, I don't remember where I got this from. You may have this in your notes. But it was going to go on the album. Don't Cry was going to go on Appetite for Destruction. But instead, but the reason they didn't put it on is because they had Sweet Child of Mine. So they didn't want two ballads, which we've talked about this before. Sweet Child of Mine, lyrically, ballad. Musically, not a ballad. So I think it could have worked on that album. But, oh well, it didn't make it. So it's on Illusion. Use your Illusion 1. My next track... 14 years. Um, I don't have a really a lot about to say about this song. I just like it. I think it's good. And then next, I went with Breakdown, which is probably at least top three songs of any of the albums for me. And how it fit this part of my list, really, I think a lot of it came down to timing. Like I said, shuffling songs, trying to make things fit. And that's why I went with this one. And then... The uh, actually, I think breakdown is almost could have been a, a good side a closer, but instead I went with the epic November rain. So I go 
repeat to go over this again civil war you could be mine don't cry 14 years breakdown november rain uh november rain was just i think that is kind of a solid way to to close the album um i think it is kind of a closer i don't know that before i move on to side side b what are your thoughts of this one so far well let's see um we're batting 50 percent uh on your uh songs versus songs that I pick. Um, 14 Years is a great song. Uh, I love Izzy Stradlin. I love the way he sings. I love the way he plays. You can definitely tell he wrote that. Supposedly, it's about a lot of it is about his relationship with Axl Rose. And for those that don't know, those those guys are both from Indiana, and they knew each other prior. But uh, if, if, you, if that is true, Izzy, I don't think, had the best opinion of him at times. You know, if if you listen to the lyrics of it, but um, that is a great song. Breakdown is a is a really good song, kind of one of the epics. Um, in my notes, I do have here that uh, according to Slash, it's the hardest song they've ever tried to record. Uh, at one point, Matt Sorum almost quit the band because he couldn't he couldn't get his parts down. And um, you know, there's a lot of tempo changes in that. I mean, it starts off with a banjo and it ends in just full-on rock mode. Um, great song. November Rain, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to get probably some hate mail from this. I don't mind the song, but I like it at the end, but it takes a long time to get to the end. I'm not going to argue with that one, and I've never been... November Rain has never been a Top Guns and Roses song for me, and it's one that, honestly, if I'm, I'm driving around the road and it comes on Hair Nation, there's a good chance I'm turning the radio. I don't dislike it. I think it's a good song. And again, monster hit, it deserves to be on there. You know, even if it wasn't a monster hit, in a way, I think it just deserves to be on there. I mean, it is their epic. And so I think it. there's a place for it. Well, if you think about it, it, it it's kind of the... When you were talking about the here they are playing these epic long songs and I mean this has got Queen written all over it uh, with some Elton John yeah which is a huge influence on Axel right and so um, I can't fault you for putting it on there because arguably one of their three or four most well known songs but just not something that's ever really done anything for me again I had to I'm, I'm not stepping back in a time machine and, and saying you know I'm trying to act as if I never heard these songs. I'm just going with the ones that I, I had to use. I had to use success as a factor. Well, and, yeah, and, and that's nothing wrong with that. I did want to go back to Civil War real quick. Um, this is one of the few songs, actually maybe the only one that I can remember that is, well, one in a million uh, to some extent, that um, is actual social commentary on their part and it's not aimed at their critics. Which is, is is something you know. Normally, when they had uh, songs that were had any kind of social commentary, it revolved around how they thought they were being treated by the press. As I'm sure get in we'll, the ring, <laughs> we'll get to that. But anyway, you know, Civil War. Like I said, I'd heard it before because it's actually on a um, benefit relief um, uh, for I believe like Romanian orphans soundtrack that came, that came out actually before the album. So. It was one that, that had definitely heard, and they played that at um, um, what's the William Farm Aid uh, about a year before the Illusion albums came out. It's the last two songs that yeah, that down on farm that Adler ever played with the band live. So anyway, that's my thoughts on your side A. And what, what do you have for side B? 
Um, oh, before we go to November Rain, one other thing. I, I just think it's some. Of, I think it's some of Slash's best playing that he's ever put on tape. Right. I, and it, I, I love. I love his soloing on that. And if and if I had to say anything in, that's a positive for it, the video of it is one of the best videos of all time. Yeah, I mean it was a movie. Yeah. But okay, side B. I'm. A, I know this is kind of unusual that I'm going with two. You know, but opening both sides with a solar track. But I just think the way they sound, and 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 keep in mind too, these these albums. Yeah, they had some rock on them. Like we said, there were a lot of balladry, epic type songs. So I'm starting side B with uh, "Knocking on Heaven's Door," the Dylan cover. Um, just another one that was a monster hit, and this is one of those monster hits that deserve every bit of success that it received. Love that song. Uh, definitely one of the better of, uh, songs off the two albums. Speed it back up for the second track. I go with uh, off Use Your Illusion 1, Back Off Bitch. Another old song of theirs. Early song. And then going with the next track is a, probably, to some people, might be a bit surprising. I, I was surprised to hear, David, you actually are a fan <coughs> of this one as well. But uh, so fine. Um it just that's one that's probably not going to get a, doesn't get a lot of attention, but it's such a good song. I love that one. I love the way Duff sounds in it. You know, Duff is, yeah. I mean, he's not the greatest singer. He's got more of a punk voice. He's a punk guy, though. I mean, that, that's how he got that's how he got started. He was a punk artist that found his way into a rock band. And to me, he has that punk voice, and you know, just like his hero, which the song you told me about. You'll get into this in a second. You know, he wrote for Johnny Thunders. Johnny Thunders was not a great vocalist. Johnny Thunders just sounded cool. And that guy was punk, pure and pure. I mean, just all the way through. Next, I'm going with the one I started this off, talking about how it was, it was a hit. Had to be on there, though. Live and Let Die. I don't hate the song. There's just a lot of other songs I would put above it. And if it were not a hit, it would not be on this list. Then I'm going with... Uh, be a few songs off Use Your Illusion 2 in a row Pretty Tied Up Yesterday's and then maybe the most epic sounding song on the albums Estranged that one was that also I remember had that kind of movie like video and I remember was it the, the dolphins Axel basically swimming with the dolphins if I'm not mistaken that was um, that's a great great song and then I close it with, this might sound like an unusual closer, but I think it's just part of the, the slowed down tempo, the acoustics. It's just, it sounds so cool to close the album. Off User Illusion 1, Dead Horse. So to go over this one again, Knocking on Heaven's Door, Back Off Bitch, So Fine, Live and Let Die, Pretty Tied Up, Yesterday's, Estranged, and Dead Horse. That's mine. This is hysterical. We we couldn't have planned this any better. Um, six songs in common. Well, and I do want to say that I have off Use Your Illusion One, which you're probably going to have a lot more of these. Use Your Illusion One. Whereas I said I had, I thought it had filler on it. This proves my point, in my opinion. Use Your Illusion One, five tracks. Use Your Illusion Two, nine. Now keep in mind, a lot of those off two are very long songs. Too. So that just shows you I didn't have a lot of room for Use Your Illusion 1. Now, I do want to say before we go, too, I had a couple of omissions that I'm going to put in that you may touch on on yours. Um, I really wanted to include off Use Your Illusion 2, Get in the Ring, 
and off of user illusion one bad obsession and then a couple that kind of got would have gotten consideration would have been right next door to hell and dust and bones off illusion one so you're up well getting the ring let's talk about that for a second i told you i had some nostalgic moments so like i said i was 15 when this came out and uh one of my really close friends eddie had this song on and was Eddie, I know you're listening. If I have the story wrong, text me and I'll correct it. I was blasting it in his room one night. And that was the song as has as explicit lyrics as Guns N' Roses is going to put out. And his dad walks in and hears him listening to it. And his dad takes the CD and snaps it in two. Well, at this point, Eddie pulls a Christmas story on me. And is like, well, David has it. His mom lets him listen to it. And he's like, oh, well, his mom is about to get a phone call from me. So Eddie calls me and he's like, I just got busted listening to Get in the Ring. My dad is going to call your mom and tell her that you have a copy of it too. So I grab both of my Illusion albums and go in the backyard and bury them in the middle of the night. Wow. To let, uh, to let, uh, for a couple of days. And I was like, I can't have my Illusion albums taken away from me. And either he told my mom and she didn't do anything or he never told my mom because it never came up. A couple of days later, I went and dug them up. So, um, Eddie, if I have any of that wrong, um, send me a text and I'll, I'll correct it on the next podcast. But uh, getting the ring was, to me, just showing you how Axel just cannot deal with anybody being critical of him. And, I mean, it's he names names. This isn't any veiled, veiled shot at, at one person. I mean, it's he's naming names. Uh, the people in the song, they definitely know it was about them. Um, anyway, I thought that was a funny little story. So we'll get to my version of Illusion. And I'm going to start off with Side A with the song that starts off Use Illusion 1, Right Next Door to Hell. Um, I love this song. It, it To me, it feels like it could have fit right in on Appetite for Destruction. And... Actually, it was written about that time, and it was actually written about uh, a neighbor of Axel's had him arrested, saying that he hit her in the head with a wine bottle, and uh, I think she tried to have him evicted, and they even auctioned or gave away the apartment that they were living in at the time on an MTV show later on, and so this is the apartment that uh, he was talking about. The next song is one we've already you've already mentioned, You Could Be Mine. Absolutely love this song. I felt like it could have fit on uh, appetite it definitely has kind of that feel and at the time terminator 2 was the biggest movie in a couple of years um and that song was featured in the movie and a uh, huge tie-in with arnold schwarzenegger being in the actual video so it was the lead single that everybody had heard of um when the albums came out the ne- and the reason i started with right next door to hell is guns and roses are a rock band and that's a rock song that's pedal to the metal. Um, same thing with You Could Be Mine. And the next track I wanted to pick is one that's actually one of my favorites. And um, it's called Bad Obsession. And features a harmonica and some really cool slide uh, playing. By, I would assume it's probably by Slash. Um, very good song. Love it. It sounds good live. Number four I had was Knocking on Heaven's Door. So this is the first one that's going to be to slow it down a little bit um, from from the other songs. I think we've talked about this in a couple of 
podcast episodes, there's just nothing wrong with this song. One of the best covers of all time, and I think both you and I agreed with that. Um, the next song is I Had to Pick an Izzy Song, and I love all of his songs on here except um, Double Talking Jive. Not a big fan of it, but Dustin Bones. Um, I love this song. It's got kind of that, you, you can you can tell Izzy's influences on that song. It's kind of got that stone swagger to it. Um, one of four songs that Izzy takes the lead on. The next one is one of the epics. Excuse me, folks. Um mouth is dry is estranged and um this one to me is kind of if i think of the illusion albums this is the song i think of it's got a little bit of everything in it the video was one of the most expensive ever made it's all over mtv it's a song that the guys like and the girls like and you go see it live it's very good they pull it off great slashes this may be some of slashes best playing in my opinion uh, of any of their songs and the last song I have on side A is one of my favorite songs on either album, and that's Don't Damn Me. And this song has never been played live. It's one of only a handful that have never been played live off the Illusion albums, partly because the vocals on it, it would be so hard for Axel to pull it off live. You know, very fast, um, very fast singing on it, and... Basically, I don't know how you would ever catch his breath if they played it live. And I went back and read the original review of David Frick and Rolling Stone, both albums, and he said he thought this was the best song on either one of their albums. And it's one that I have in regular rotation that I listen to. And um, just goes to show how Chris and I can like the same band and not like the same song. So, Chris, before we go any further, your, your thoughts on, on my side A? It's more rocking than mine. You know, I'm not completely surprised by that. Um, and I, you know, we talk about this a lot, how sometimes I go with, he, you always go with more of the rocking stuff and it sounds like I'm not into rock. I mean, I'm the same guy though who loves, loves Slayer. So I, I do like the rock people. Um, it's just these songs to me, the slower Bowdry ones were just amazing. You know, most of these, um, I am a big fan of that you picked. Like I said, I, I wanted to put Bad Obsession on mine. It was the last one to be cut from my list, the very last one. And I almost I was thinking, well, what? how do I do this? You know, do I have too many ballads? Should I go ahead and get rid of So Fine? I'm like, no, there's no way I can get rid of that one. I got rid of Bad Obsession. Um, don't Damn Me. I, I doesn't matter if Frick loves it or hates it, whatever. I'm just, it doesn't do a thing for me. It just doesn't. Um, overall, I mean... Nothing wrong with it. It's just vastly different than what I have so far. So we'll see where you go next. Well, on side B, so side A, I end with Don't Damn Me, a very straight up fast rock song. I'm going to start side B with Civil War and uh, kind of a change of pace. We've already talked about this song. It's a great song. If you go see Slash solo, they still play it every show. Um, you know, it's just one of their one of their better one of the better epics. And I did have a problem, kind of like you were talking about. I couldn't put in my mind. I couldn't put every epic on here. And so the epics that I cut were November Rain and Breakdown. I love Breakdown, but um, like I said, top three song for me. There, it, it's not even an option. Right, putting it on for me. Right, but I, I just felt like if I had all epics on, basically, I'm I'm doing a Rush album from the '70s. You know, with all. But but you know, I mean, hey, this was kind of the direction they were working in. So I mean, it 
it, it would have made sense. I mean, it would have confused everybody that they put this album out, but it's obviously where their minds were, you know, because like you said, the, Use Your Illusion 1 was mainly pre-appetite anyway. It shows where their heads were. Right. That's kind of what they were making. So I, I hear what you're saying. I, I didn't intend on making a largely epic album, but I did. Nothing wrong with that. That's why you have your version. I have my version. The second song I'm going to go with is a song that you've omitted, and I haven't even heard you mention. It's one of my favorite songs uh, on either album, and it is also, in my opinion, epic, and that is Locomotive. Um, absolutely love this song, and uh, I love the groove behind it. And very long song. They have very rarely played it live. You can, though, go on YouTube, and it's very it's a very cool video. It's uh, I think they're in Europe, and they're just doing a sound check before a show, and Jeff Beck shows up. And this is the song they choose to play uh, at sound check with Jeff Beck. But like I said, it, it's, you didn't have any mentioned it, so I can't think that you think that highly of it, but I absolutely love the song. It's one of my favorite ones. The next song I'm going to go with, we're going to slow it down, is Don't Cry. And I'm actually going to go with version two off Usual Illusion 2 because as I said it was the first one that I bought and for uh, I had several listens under my belt before I heard the original version on Usual Illusion 1 so since it was the first one that I liked I'm just going to go with it and like you said it was supposedly the first song they'd written together as a band I don't know if that means the the incarnation that went on to be Guns N' Roses or if it was um you know, one of the earlier bands that had still had several of the members in it. The next song I'm going to pick is is one of my favorites off Usual Illusion 1, and you mentioned it, is Dead Horse. This is just straight up rock and roll. This is no frills. Uh, this isn't overproduced, uh, isn't overthought, uh, just a straight up rock song. And to me, sounds like it could fit on a 1970s uh, Aerosmith album. Love the song, love how it starts, love, just love the whole thing. And then another one that you haven't mentioned that I absolutely love is Bad Apples. To me, it just sounds like a good bar band song. I don't even like the song, let alone is it not going to make my list. I don't even like it. <laughs> yeah. I lo- I'm sorry. I love the song. Um, like I said, it sounds like a bar band playing. And uh, they only played it live once, so they might yeah, not. Yeah, I, I, that's a good they, thing, people. <laughs> they, they, might not be the, uh, they might not be the biggest fans of it as well. But anyway, I like it. Um, and my last song to close it out is my favorite of the epics, and that is Coma. Uh, was very excited when we saw this band this summer. You and I actually saw them together. That that was in the um, set list. And when they hired Gilby Clark to replace uh, Izzy, it, I don't think we've mentioned this. Izzy actually recorded both albums, and I think uh, he may have even started the Illusion Tour, and then it just got to where he couldn't handle being around them. At that point, his sobriety was more important. And Gilby Clark came in, and I've read that Gilby said this is the song they told him to learn, um, because the the song does has very few repeating uh, chord progressions. Um, I think it's nine minutes long. Um, one of the things that I, that I will say that I do not like about the song, and actually it it plays out over several songs. Uh, I hate how they have Axel's voice overdubbed several times when he's speaking. On, singing in a very kind of deep voice they do it on locomotive they do it on coma i think they do it on bad obsession you know what i'm talking about how they have him talking over it or real low voice um to me i I don't like that but this song actually is about uh overdosing 
and supposedly Axel overdosed one time and, and Slash, and this is kind of a song about that. And also, I think, you know, you get a glimpse into Axel's psyche at some point in this song. So that's my side B. That's how I chose to um, close it off with uh, Coma, um, my favorite of the epics. Uh, Chris, your your critiques of side B. We know you don't like Bad Apples or Locomotive. Locomotive's okay. I don't necessarily dislike it. It's okay. I love Civil War, as we said. Locomotives is o- Locomotive's okay. Don't cry. Okay. I get your reasoning when you explain it. Because if you don't explain it that way, I don't see how anybody would ever pick you know, the alternate version. I just don't. Because I just think one is better. The nostalgia aspect, yeah, it makes sense. Dead Horse, we said, great one. Bad Apples, not a fan. Coma is... Okay, your favorite of the epics. It is, without a doubt, my least favorite. It is one of those ones that, for whatever reason, in recent years, it seems like has become kind of this, you know, cult classic fan favorite. And I don't get it. I just don't. I think his voice is annoying in the song. Um, I, I hate, well, I shouldn't say hate, but I don't like that. I don't know that that kind of riff that it's doing. Just I don't know. I, I just I, the song doesn't do it for me. I've never understood it. Um, never understood the fascination with it. I wouldn't have a problem if it wasn't even on the albums. Really, but I just don't think it's a very good song. You know, and I mean that's again. This is all opinion. You know, I mean you may hate a, one of the songs or two of them I put on here. It's just I'm gonna go back to what I said. I felt like Use Your Illusion one. Had a lot of filler. Use Your Illusion 2, probably, I mean, I think Use Your Illusion 2 can be released as a great, great Guns N' Roses album. Use Your Illusion 1, for me, cannot. You combine the two, and you've got a monster of an album, which is what we tried to do. But as, as we spoke uh, earlier this week uh, via text, there's not so much filler that you could condense it into one album without leaving off a lot. I, I, I agree because I'm going to go back to what we said, what I said on here. Songs I really wanted on there is, you mentioned Bad Obsession. I really wanted it on. Okay, again, it was my last one to cut. I think that rock, right next door to Hell and Dustin Bones are great rock tunes. And then Get in the Ring, okay, I know Axel goes on a tirade, this profanity-laced tirade, but it doesn't take away the fact that it's a good song. It's a really good song. And it could have made... I understand that that was their way to kind of do the F you to all the people and all, but they could have made that a great song and left that part out completely. And you just got a great rock Guns N' Roses song, to me. Right. And the, very, the beginning is very blues-based, um, which it's, is kind of a cool... It's intro. a great one. I, I like the lyrics in it. I, I, I think it's I think it's a good tune, good rock tune. And I think it was, again, I understand why he did that to make his point, but it wasn't necessary because instead they kind of... I don't know. They kind of made a what could have been a great Guns N' Roses rock song into just a tirade, a show. Right. It almost, almost felt like it wasn't even a song. It was just, hey, let me just take almost a Almost kind of like a joke. Yeah, and it and it's a great it's a great rock song. I, I wish I, so. Part of me wishes they didn't even have that part in it. And who knows? It might could have been a hit if they didn't have that in there. There's one song that neither one of us mentioned that I just cannot believe we're not going to talk about. Okay, my world. 
Um, That's tongue in cheek, by the way. Okay, I was gonna say I'm I'm waiting on this one. <laughs> go ahead and say what I was gonna say. Go ahead and do what you're gonna do, and then I'll try to. No, no, there, there's no uh, <laughs> there's no justifying that song. Actually, uh, Axel went in the studio by himself and with a producer, of course, and put that together after the sessions. And when the album came out, the band had never even heard it. That'd be like saying you like Revolution Nine off the White Album, right? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, and so. Th- you know, supposedly, if you re- if you if you read some of the books about them, that song it, it was kind of one of the di- Axel wanted to go in a more industrial direction and also more of a Queen direction, which is are two polar opposites. But if you because they had a song that came out on a movie soundtrack about five or six years later, I can't remember the name of it. Um, that was kind of like my world, very industrialized and. Supposedly, the original tracks of Chinese Democracy, when they were laid down in the 90s, had more of a Nine Inch Nails feel to them, which to me just sounds horrible, or would have sounded horrible. Well, you can kind of, you can that makes a little bit of sense, because I think back, and, and I agree with you, it would have been horrible, but the, I'm, I'm struggling here. Okay, the song, and I don't think it didn't even make, I don't think it even made Chinese Democracy. I'm not, I, I have the album, I've listened to it a few times, but... Oh my God! Did not make it correct. That was not on there. Right, that was on and, the end of days. And, and oh my, and oh my God! Actually, should have been on there because then it would have been one of the few really good songs on the album. Because it's not a good album. But anyway, oh my God is to me. I can hear those industrial elements if that's where they were going with. But it's still a good song. Yeah, and and obviously, I just can't see Slash performing industrial music. No, no. I mean, well, a lot of those guys, they're just they're just rock guys. Right, or Sorum. I mean, he's straight up. He's he's more glam than he is anything else. Um, a few of the songs I see here that neither one of us mentioned, and it's probably for a reason, Shotgun Blues. Not a terrible one. Not a terrible song, but... They've never played that live. Another one that we haven't mentioned was the uh, Alice Cooper duet, um, The Garden. Yeah, I'm not a fan, real big fan of that one. And that supposedly was around uh, pre... Um, Pre-appetite, you know. I say I'm not a fan. It's not bad, but it's just I can't consider it for my one album of Use Your Illusion. And the other one, which was actually a single that neither one of us have talked about, uh, Garden of Eden, um, was actually I think the last single they released. And um, I think it's more kind of known for the video. Supposedly, the video was done in one take. I don't even remember it. Through a fisheye lens. And the entire band is standing around Axel. He's got like a hat on backwards and he's singing into the microphone. Um, I don't think that one's ever been played live as well. I think Shotgun Blues, I, I had it written down here, but I can't find it. Shotgun Blues, The Garden, Don't Damn Me, and um, My World have never been performed live. So those are, are, are the songs that, that they, they either can't pull off live or don't care to. Um, I do want to go back to breakdown real quick, um, and, and I know you and I kind of going back and forth. I, I can't, I can't really figure out exactly what the song is about. Can you? No, I, I don't know. And to, and to be honest, I've never even given it that much thought. You know, and I, I love it when a song grabs me lyrically, but this isn't one that I don't know. That's the only way I can say it. It's never really, never really given it much thought lyrically. I, I'm, I'm really surprised that it's not played. Live, I, it must be really hard for them to for them to pull it off because 
it really is a good song. Like I said, I hated to leave it off, but I was just I had time constraint issues, and it's not a short song. No, I mean I, I know this is. I'm going to go back to it. I know this is. Everybody's in, entitled to look. Music is subjective, and I, I'll say this: what I've said many times before. You mentioned InSync breaking the record or whatever. If InSync's for you, blast it and love it, because that's the gift of music. You know, it's not for me. Thankfully. And so, but my point is music is just subjective. That being said, it's just, that makes me think though, I, I can't help but think, wow, coma is better than breakdown to you, which is just, just sounds crazy. No offense. It just sounds crazy to me. Right. But. Well, that's what makes the, that's what one of the things that's going to make this podcast so interesting is uh, we, we definitely picked, um, we had more songs different than we did together. So I guess it's a good thing we weren't the ones that uh, had the final say-so on putting the albums out. We would have we butted heads. There would have been creative yeah. differences. Now, I do know that you know when you say that, you could have said, well, at least mine would have had the hits. Well, you can't say that because, again, you'd have to go back in time and know what was going to be the hit, what wasn't. I will say, of all the songs I, I listed on mine, all the hits would have made it. With the exception of if again if we if we're going this act, these albums have not been released we don't know what's going to be successful all of it what became hits would have been on mine except for live and let die and I mean that's a fact because it, again November Rain it may not be our favorite Guns N' Roses song but you can't deny it and I I think I would be a smart enough you know A and R guy to say look guys this has got to go on the record. <laughs> Right, we've and, got a hit here. Right, I mean it's it's kind of the same thing that Aerosmith was facing with it. I don't want to miss a thing. I mean, I can't stand the song, but look at how much money it made them. So you can't argue. You can't argue with that. No, you can't. And so that's why I know I know that one would make the cut for me. Well, as we wrap this up, um, I guess the 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 last two to make the cutting block for me were pretty tied up and so fine, and I, I very easily could have put those. In there, those were the last two. On the matter of fact, until I left uh, my house yesterday, uh, was going back and forth on those. Um, pretty tied up. It's a straddling song. If you go look at the credits, Izzy's hand was was in most songs, uh, most of the good ones anyway. Um, and I think they definitely missed him going forward, uh, for sure on the tour. And then uh, would be great to see them get back together and have Adler do. The Appetite songs and him do Civil War and let Sorum or what is the guy now? Is it Ferrar? Frank Ferrar? Uh, is it or is it Ferrera? Ferrera, I think the, that's the drummer. That. Let them do that, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So, Chris, as we close it out, do you have any any last parting words? Well, I'm not surprised by the fact that I'm looking at the breakdown and mine has mine has 14 cuts, yours has 13. Mine has five off of. One, yours has seven. I have nine off two. You have six. Again, I think two is a is a record that's very little filler. It's great, but it is the one that's filled with the epics. And um, I just think those were those are the better songs for me. And I know you've always been a fan of Illusion One. It just I don't know. I think more people probably. I can agree with you on that just based on um, 
album sales and um you know it does have some of the the, the big hits did want to throw this in before we left both of both of them have sold more than seven million albums so they did something right yeah so anyway we're gonna wrap this episode up if you could um we're, i think we're gonna to try to put uh, copies of our list uh, on the social media sites and if you want to comment what you thought we should have uh done differently and, and maybe tell us which one you thought would make the better illusion album well, let's see if we can't put a poll on there too if right. it's possible if we can come up with one to where people can i know you can on twitter you can right. create a poll people yeah, can. i'll play around with that tonight and yeah. see if i can get that up um, like i said follow us on um, twitter at digital killed instagram at digital killed the radio star subscribe on itunes and we will uh, be talking to you next week have a good one